morning. One of the big Bible headlines is this. God loves people. But he also calls us to be a people. And both those things are ever so important. That God so loved the world, he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save us. And we're saved as individuals. But what happens as we are saved and we're joined to our Father in heaven, we're also joined to the family. God loves people, but we become part of his people. That's been one of his longings. We read about it throughout the whole Bible story, right the way back to Abraham. God was calling out a people. In actual fact, we find it in the very nature of God himself, that God is a community. In creation, we read God saying, let us make man in our image. And we know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is glorious community. And his plan, as always has been, is to create a community, his people on earth, who reflect his ways, who share his ways, who demonstrate his ways. And that's one of the facets of church. Church is community. It's what happened on the day of Pentecost when um, the church was birthed. And we read about the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And as people responded to the good news of Jesus and who he was and who he is, they repented, they put their faith in him, and they received new life. The next thing we read about that happens was this, that they, all, the, all the believers were together. And they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were together, they met together, and they ate together. That's what God does. He brings us into togetherness to demonstrate his very nature, and it's the way that he works out his purposes through his family. It's important perhaps to press pause at this point and almost contrast that to some of the stuff that is happening in our culture, particularly in our Western 21st century culture. Uh, I, I'm going to give you just three quick I's, you know, I, letter I's, um, not three I's that way, but three letter I's that almost describe some of the real foundations, actually, some of the real aspects of our culture um, that is built on, or is trying to build on. One is inclusion. It's a big word, inclusion. And in, in one sense, we live in a time where we can be more connected than ever before. Through social media. I mean, you can have hundreds of friends. Literally, hundreds of friends at a press of a button. And there's a sense of, I see some people's faces, 
wait for the second bit I'm going to say, okay? But you can have hundreds of, as it were, so-called friends, but we know that that's just a veneer of inclusion. And actually can send a false message. That actually it can work the other way, it can work against building true and deep friendship. But even that very thing of social media can work the other way as well, that you can feel very excluded and tragically it's been used to bring division in these days. So actually you are excluded and that has led to many tragic stories. But as well as inclusion, individualism. And I guess we keep referring to this, but I don't think we fully realize how entrenched we are in the Western world in individualism. Even from being young children, we're told to, come on, stand up. You, know, uh, you need to learn to stand. To be on, you need to learn to stand on your own two feet. But then as we get older, it all becomes a bit more um, sophisticated in terms of you need to be true to yourself. It's a mantra of, that feeds individualism, that actually my most successful life is what I can make of it. It's about who I am. It's about being true to this authentic being within me. It's a massive thing. It's called individualism. It's about my story, full stop. Not seeing my story part of a bigger story. And then, identity. Has there ever been a time when struggles and questions about identity have been so prevalent? Who am I? What am I? And in this last decade, we've seen identities emerge that we didn't even know about or couldn't even imagine 10 years ago. Identity is a huge issue. Now, all those things, inclusion, individualism, identity, actually, God has an answer through the community of the church. That's why the church is so relevant for 21st century Western world, as well as all the other centuries and all the other worlds. place of inclusion. Actually, the greatest inclusion, we're included in Christ. It's a place where we find true identity. It deals with the self-centeredness of individualism and it, it, it immerses us into a corporate story. We're part of God's big family. We're community. That stretches all the way back, way beyond anything we can imagine, right back to Father Abraham. And stretches right away forward into eternity, where we see the throne, where every tribe and tongue are worshipping the king. Who wants my little story? When we begin about that big story? It's a remarkable story. 
Church is community. That's who we are. If that's who we are, how do we live? Well, I'm going to open the Bible. There's a relief, isn't there? Okay. Open the Bible, and we're going to just read from Romans 12, and uh, just a few verses. going to really jump into a chapter. Don't always like doing that, but I think let's take what I've shared as being setting a scene. Chapter 12, verse 9. How do we live in this community? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. How do we live in this community called the church? We love one another. It's called love. It's what Jesus said to the first disciples. By this, people will know that you're my my disciples because of your love for one another. Love is the heartbeat of God's community. It's where... Paul, in all of his letters that talks about our identity in Christ and then who the church is, we can read through Ephesians in that, he lands it in love. So by the time you get to chapter 5 of Ephesians, you've got this, you read this, be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ loved us. The family follows the way of the Father. It's love Love, love. And what is love? Well, it says here, be devoted to one another in love. Love is, in some, if you've got ESV version, your English Standard Version, you read this, brotherly affection. It's about recognising that it's, we're family. Is brotherly and sisterly love. And that's helpful to see because the reality of it is we are different. Correct? Part of having the seating today is to demonstrate that fact. You only have to look across the room and say, yep, he or she is different. Not only are we different, We will have differences. You don't need to look around the room at this point. Just look at me. There will be things about being family that we upset each other at times. We can annoy each other at times in our differences. Sometimes we can even hurt each other at times. Not intentionally, hopefully, but we do. That's family. That's brotherly and sisterly affection. You see, family needs to work stuff through. 
That's the sort of love that, that Paul's urging here. It's a robust love, not a convenient love. And then he goes on to talk about um, um, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. It's absolutely fascinating that he talks about love and then he talks about hate what is evil, cling to what is good. You see, the world separates those of that, uh, apart. The world says, well, love is about whatever feels good, you just do it. Love has no morality in the world. It's about a feeling. It's lost its moral compass, love, in the world now. It can be sincere, but it's lost its compass. Paul, in his thinking, is, no, love is about clinging to what is good. Wanting what is good for one another. Resisting the evil, the stuff that messes with relationships. Love is embracing the good. It's about honouring one another above yourselves. Again, that can be such a challenge for attitudes. What do we really think about one another? And how do we really treat one another? You know, actually, in our culture, I think particularly in the British culture, there can be a bit of a perverse thing of undermining. You know, we love the underdog, and when the underdog succeeds, we want them not to succeed. You know, it's a strange thing. Here, it's about honouring, valuing, preferring one another above ourselves. That's love. That's what it looks like. That's why this is exercise, not just in meetings, it's in life. Shares, love shares with those in need. That is self-explanatory. We saw that in the early church and just referenced that. We're going into days of great need. It's great need now. It's going to get even greater. This aspect of love is going to be even more pertinent. Sharing with those in need. And with that, that's about us giving, but also that's about us asking. Sometimes we're not good at making our needs known. I know that I'm like that. I can be sometimes quicker to want to help, but I can be slower in wanting to make need, my own need, known. We need to cultivate family, that's community, where we can truly share with one another in need. Practice hospitality. I've just asked Cheryl in a couple of minutes just to say something about hospitality. Hi everyone. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say anything much that I haven't really ever said before, but um, I'm sorry I've moved back. It's my teaching background. I can't bear to have people behind me, especially not children. Um, so hospitality, hospitality in community. Um, it's really important that we understand that community is made up of individuals. So we are a church community, but we are made up of all the individuals within the community. And so we have a whole number of shared values. 
Some of them um, we talk about as a church, some of them are just values that we have ourselves <clears throat> that we understand from, from the Bible. And hospitality, just quickly to say, is the art of making others feel comfortable and included. I already had that in my notes. And so when the Bible talks about practicing hospitality, immediately our mind, <coughs> in the Western world anyway, and probably in the Eastern world, springs to the thought of having people in your home, possibly giving them a meal, or I loved what Jean said this morning, a cup of water. But that's kind of what our mind springs to in, in terms of practicing hospitality. I would like to suggest that we want to, we don't want to ditch that because that, obviously that's biblical, but we want to understand that the practice of hospitality comes from the mindset of being hospitable. So practicing hospitality is an action, but being hospitable is a what? It's a being, isn't it? It's something that's inside of us that gets expressed in action. So um, what I, I would say is that having that mindset of being hospitable consists of maybe three things generally. Welcome, acceptance and inclusion, that's all one. So we have to understand in our heads that we make everybody welcome, that we accept everyone, race, gender, age. We accept everyone because if, if you don't do that, then people don't feel included. And where's the inclusion if you don't accept people, right? I remember years and years ago, um, before Roger and I got married, <clears throat> so Roger asked me to marry him in three days, but we went out for four years. It's a long time to be going out. And I remember someone saying to us very clearly, don't act as though you're married until you're married. They said, make sure you include people in your relationship. And that's been something that Roger and I have tried to live by, I would say, ever since. Be inclusive, not exclusive super easy to be a for some married people to be a like loved up little bubble which excludes other people bring people into your family and into your friendships and your relationships <clears throat> that was number one number two um, being hospitable is expressed individually and corporately so there's heaps of things that we're doing corporately as a church, which is expressing hospitality. Sunday lunches, English cafe, um, it's called not food bank, the meal share, all of that sort of stuff that's expressing hospitality. But because we're a family, we express it individually as well. Um, number three, being hospitable means time it's having a time mentality that you spend time with other people and when you spend time with other people it means being present with them it means listening to their stories loving their stories 
I love to hear people's stories. They're so interesting, so exciting. Not just their testimony, I don't mean, but their story. Who they are, where they've come from. Um, so be present with people. And you might think that I'm saying you need to be an extrovert. You do not. I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I love spending time on my own. <laughs> I love reading. Just being on my own. But it's like God uses who we are. We don't have to be extroverts. He uses who you are for you to be able to love other people and make them feel included. So hospitality, last thing I want to say, it's not about achieving perfection. It's about letting your mindset create the actions that you want to be created. It's about being hospitable. If that's in your mind, then hospitable acts, the, the art of practicing hospitality will flow from that, individually and corporately. Okay. Thanks so much, love. What we are, who we are, a community. What we do, we love, and we've gone through those different aspects. And then just to finish, community is what we share. Okay, the community doesn't stop with us. It's not just for us, it's our mission. And we do that in different ways. We do that by inviting people into our community. And visitors, you are so welcome. We hope you have found you know, a, a welcome here. We invite people in. Also, we create community. And as Cheryl said, that's happening throughout every week. Bridge Cafe. That's not just giving people the best bacon sandwiches in town, rolls in town, although it does do that. It creates community. English Cafe. But Amplify creating community for young people. Youth work, Sunday lunches that are happening. Oh, in any one week, there's a number of things we're doing that are creating community. We're expressing the very heart of God in that. Can I also say, as well, many of you are part of other communities. And we need to value that. Some of you are part of clubs. Local clubs. Organisations. Your workplace is a community. School, community. We're part of other communities and we're to bring the ways of God's community into that community to express his love. And then there's that which I've just called organic community. Of just that which is unplanned, it's not... It's not labelled, it's not, as it were, organised, but it's that which we just create through friendship with neighbours or, 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 or all sorts of other settings. There are two legs. There's that which we organise, but there's that we don't organise. That's an expression of the community that we're part of. The church is positioned in God's plan for a very strategic role. It always has been. 
But in these days in which we live, this aspect of the church being community could not be more important. It could not be more important. And God calls us to be his community together, to demonstrate that together, but to overflow with it into the lives of those who are desperate to be included, of those who are caught in their individual worlds, of those who are struggling with identity. God has an answer. It's in Christ and it's through his church. Let's be his community. We are his community, but let's be that even more so. We're going to break bread together, and, uh, and uh, as we do so, we, we, bread's already broken, but you know, the, we, eat, we share in the broken bread together, which reminds us of his body broken for us. The greatest demonstration of love we can ever know. And then we share in the cup, the cup of the new covenant, and that just so reminds us of everything we are in Christ. But it reminds us as well, we are joined together. And as we break bread, we'll, you know, um, we'll just spend a, a few minutes doing that, and the children will join us in that as well. Let's just feed on him. But also, let's be open to one another. That somehow recognizing the body of Christ and visitors, please feel included in this. It could be an opportunity for you to go and just honor someone, to value, express your love for them. Take the bread and the cup. It could be your opportunity to go and pray for someone. You might be aware of someone who's in need. Well, God's spoken powerfully, prophetically this morning about him being with them in their need. Come pray for them. Let's be body together. Let's be community together as we break bread and share in the cup.